Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Welcome to Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, In Sung Kim. Sponsored by Hope in Mission, LLC. To connect with the show, go to insungkim.org. That's I-N-S-E-O-N-G-K-I-M dot O-R-G. Or listen to InSung on oneplace.com. And now it's time for yesterday, today, and tomorrow with your host, In Sung Kim. Hello, this is In Sung Kim from Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. It's already February in 2024, and our spring is coming. And so we're anticipating this beautiful weather come, coming back from the winter, and we have a special guest. And Mr. Michael Johnson, and he's a president of the SGA organization. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. And please share with us about this SGA, its organizations. Yeah, SGA stands for um, the ministry called the Slavic Gospel Association. Our ministry was established um, almost 90 years ago in 1934 wow. uh, in Chicago. And um, the focus of our ministry at that time, it was established by an individual by the name of Peter Danica. He was an immigrant to America from the country of Belarus. And um, the reason he came to the United States was that when he was a young man or a young boy, basically, when he was 15 years old, um, uh, they were growing up in a very poor part of Belarus, and there was a famine. And the only way that his father decided that they could survive would be to send his son to America so he could secure employment and send money back to the family mm. so that they could survive. Mm-hmm. And so he ended up coming to Chicago and um, connected with a number of individuals from the Moody Church at the time, mm-hmm. and they shared the Christ with him, and he uh, came to faith in Christ. And so um, he trained to be a pastor, and he was a consummate evangelist, and uh, he was very connected to the Russian community in in, in Chicago. And so he eventually went back to Belarus um, and reconnected with his family. His father had since passed away. Um, But he traveled throughout Belarus, and everybody was just fascinated with him because uh, he had been in America, and he came back to Belarus and was preaching this, in their minds, this strange new religion, which was the gospel. Mm. And many people responded. Many people came to faith in Christ. But he eventually came back to America. And so in 1934, uh, he, recognizing the growing persecution against the Christians in, in the Soviet Union, mm. he established this ministry initially for the purpose of uh, uh, promoting uh, the covert distribution of Bibles throughout those countries to the Christians and the churches, um, and particularly the underground churches. But also, uh, we had a significant radio ministry mm-hmm. uh, where, in partnership with Transform Radio and HCJB and Far East Broadcasting, uh, we were able to produce Russian-language 
uh, Christian radio programming and broadcast it throughout those countries and through and around the Iron Curtain. Wow. And yeah. In so doing, we weren't sure whether or not the broadcasts were getting through, but because of the faithfulness of the ministry, we continued to produce the program and run them. Mm. And so we eventually found out that they were getting through. And uh, the most, I think the most popular radio program at the time when the Christians were listening to this program, whether it be in their attics or in their basements, uh, so they weren't caught by the KGB, uh, mm. was the simple, slow reading of the Scripture, Wow! so that they could copy uh, the words down and compile their own Bible, uh, because they didn't have access to Bibles at that time. And so this ministry, in many ways, kept the gospel open, the God used this in a mighty way to keep the gospel open to the people and the Christians uh, in the Soviet Union, and God continued to bless the work. Uh, that we were doing in the lives of many people that were able to grow in their faith listening to those radio programs. So Peter Danica was a prayer warrior. He wrote a book called Much Prayer, Much Power. He would, would, you know, uh, conduct all-night prayer vigils uh, for the people in Russia. Um, Billy Graham recognized that, and Billy coined the term Peter Dynamite uh, in talking Mm. to Peter, uh, referring to Peter. And Peter was invited to conduct all-night prayer uh, vigils uh, um, um, uh, to support his uh, Billy's um, uh, crusade events. So um, very dynamic guy, uh, very strong Christian, very passionate individual. And, and so he passed away in 1985, I believe. Yeah. And shortly after that, he had been praying his whole adult life for the walls of communism to come down and got into his prayer. And um, in the late 1980s, early 1990s, things began to open up uh, in those countries. So as a ministry, we decided that we needed to shift our our approach and our strategy. So we partnered with the largest group of uh, conservative evangelical churches, that being the Baptist churches in Russia, Mm. and um, uh, came to them and, and began to partner with them to serve their churches. Now, uh, most people know that uh, that the basically the national religion in Russia and the former Soviet countries is Orthodox Christianity, which was adopted um, back in the 10th century. Uh, but in the early 1800s, German Mennonite missionaries came to um, Ukraine and Georgia and began to evangelize the peasant populations in those countries. And, mm-hmm. And um, people began to come to faith in Christ, and it stuck, and those churches began to grow, and there was a bit of of a revival in the 1800s among uh, the evangelical churches. Um, But again, when the Soviets came to power, everything was shut down and everybody got persecuted. So now, Mm. on the other end of the Soviet era, these are very strong churches, churches that, that had been persecuted for many years, churches whose pastors were taken away and killed in the gulags. And so basically these churches, you know, were looking around and saying, you know, we really want to begin to grow and really want to begin to build on the foundation that we have. And it's a foundation that is, for all intents and purposes, being built upon the blood of the martyrs. So mm-hmm. we went to them and asked them what their priorities were. And so because there wasn't any evangelical seminaries, we helped to establish some of the first seminaries. Um, evangelical seminaries in those countries. And uh, so we also sponsor their church planters. So we sponsor about 400 national church planting families that are sent out into previously unreached towns and villages to preach the gospel and plant new churches. 
And then we equip them with resources to meet both the physical and spiritual needs of the people throughout their communities so that more might hear, more might come to faith in Christ and be discipled in strong Bible churches. Mm. So humanitarian aid, uh, last year we sponsored about 60 to 70,000 um, children to attend Christian summer camp. Um, uh, we, um, you know, we support their orphan ministries. Um, we support their, um, you know, Christmas out, you know, uh, evangelism outreaches. And, you know, basically we follow their lead uh, to help them to connect with more people in their communities so that more might hear the gospel and their churches can continue to grow. So we're really a servant ministry and, the scripture verse that comes to mind for me is John 4, 37 and 38, where Jesus says, For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you do for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So we exist mm-hmm. to enter into the labor of these wonderful churches and are helping them to do more. Wow. So the he the uh, Peter Adenica, right? He's yes. the founder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a behind the story of this Cold War, uh, kind of just cooling down at the time in eighties. Yeah. Wow. Correct. Yes. We, yeah, we never hear about this kind of story. Yes. Yeah. 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 And there's always there's a people who without the name and sowing the seed, and then we see the whole amazing fruit everywhere that we don't even know who saw. Uh, this beautiful yes. yeah, ministry. And also, um, so share with us about you. And you have work account manager and supervisor, highly respected international advertising agency. And throughout the 1986 uh, and 95, uh, and serving a major uh, consumer brand. And what really motivate you to serve this organization from that um, amazing career to uh, serving God? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, I grew up in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and um, I grew up in a sort of a mainline church in Connecticut. And so when I was 19, um, I had finished a couple years of college, so I was kind of an adventurous person. So I got jumped in the car and uh, with a couple of buddies of mine. We drove out to California. Mm. And uh, I kind of liked it, so I wanted to stick around for a while. And so I needed to find a job. So I got a job working in a gas station in Santa Monica, uh, and this was in 1974. And that was at a time when it was kind of the tail end of the Jesus movement. Many people of your listeners might have seen the movie The Jesus Revolution. Mm -hmm. And so I was a part of that when I got to California. Oh, wow. And so I was, um, there was a, 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 the mechanic in the gas station I worked for was a long haired, you know, biker. He had a big chopped up Harley Davidson motorcycle. Yeah. So we uh, were talking one day and he asked me what I was doing that night. I said, I'll probably go and drink some beer. I said, what are you doing? He says, well, I got a choir practice. I said, oh, really? Why? He says, well, my wife and I, we go to, choir, uh, we go to church every Sunday. I said, you do? Why? He said, well, we're Christians. And I thought, you know, I grew up in this church. And and I said, well, that's good. So am I. And he kind of looked at me with this half smile on his face. He said, no, you're not. So he said, I'll buy you breakfast tomorrow morning. And and uh, 
and I just kind of wanted to introduce you to some guys. So I went to this restaurant in Santa Monica, and it was a meeting of an organization called CBMC, which stands for Christian Businessmen's Committee. Mm-hmm. It's a Christian Businessmen's um, you know, Fellowship. Yeah. And the guy that was preaching was a guy named Tom Brewer, and he was going through the book of First Corinthians. I'd never heard Bible teaching like that before. Oh, wow. And I just kept coming back and coming back, and um, within a couple of months, I had accepted Christ as my Savior. And I began to plug in on the Christian community in Southern California. Mm. So there's a guy named Hal Lindsey who wrote a book called The Late Great Planet Earth many years ago. And... He, as well as some other uh, friends from Dallas Seminary, you know, had come to California to establish a Bible institute um, that was developed to disciple a lot of these young people who had come to faith in Christ during the Jesus movement. It was, and uh, again, it was called the Light and Powerhouse. And and so I enrolled and spent a couple of years there, and so that I could begin to develop a, a sort of a, a foundation for my faith. So, you know, we learned theology and apologetics, and Dr. Francis Schaeffer used to come and teach, and um, it was just a great experience, and it was, good, again, a good foundational experience for me to understand God's Word before I went out and finished my school and got into the business world. So, um, so anyway, so, I, you know, so I, when I graduated, I got into business, and I began to develop an interest in the advertising world. Uh, my wife uh, had, had worked in that business for a number of years, and she was very, very successful at it. So we moved back to New York City, and um, we spent 10 years working there, and I worked on some of the largest consumer brands in the world, like Tide Detergent and Tylenol Pain Medication and uh, different products like that. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot about communication and, mm-hmm. and, um, and marketing while doing that. Okay. So while I was there... Um, can I, um, you want me to continue on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just always oh, yeah, people yeah. want to know why people yeah, are yeah, serving. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's so yeah. story connect. Yes. Yeah. So while while I was there, you know, uh, a, a missionary came through our church in Brooklyn. We attended the even even Joseph Free Church in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and we ended up taking a short term mission trip to the country of Albania. And God began to open my eyes to what He was doing in the post-communist world, because Albania for many years was the most closed country in the world and highly, very highly communistic. And um, But things were opening up there. So um, I came back and I began to pray about it, but I never really understood how the skills of an advertising executive would ever apply to a missions career until Bob Provost, who had organized the trip, called me, who was now the president of this ministry, the Slavic Gospel Association. This was in the early 90s. Mm. And he said to me, he said, you know, Michael, we, um, I've just joined this organization, and we have a great story to tell. The churches here in America and the Christians here in America about what God is doing through his faithful churches in the former Soviet Union, and we need a professional like you to come and tell that story. Will you come and join us mm. at the ministry? Wow. And I thought, you know, that was a good— Yeah. Good presentation to the ministry. Yes. And I had just gotten a job offer, you know, for my dream job in New York City. And, you know, my Mm -hmm. wife and I just kind of walked away and said, listen, this is what the Lord wants us to do, so we're going to do this. So we made the sacrifice. Wow. There was a bit of a financial, you know, sacrifice we had to make. So we moved to Rockford, Illinois, and I took the position as vice president of advancement at SGA. Wow. And I I stayed for seven years. Mm -hmm. And... um, 
you know, we I began to tell the story about what God was doing, and we began to see a lot of really good results and and all that. And the Lord kind of moved us in another direction, but He didn't move us out of Rockford. So for 13 years, I consulted with many other Christian ministries, helping them with their with their you know, fundraising and communications programs. And then uh, almost seven years ago, the Lord brought us back to the ministry uh, as president, and we've been able to reconnect. And the Lord just continues to grow the ministry, expand our impacts because of the relationships that we have mm-hmm. with those churches uh, and investing in their work as they do their work on the ground throughout those countries, as well as the work in Israel. Yeah, yeah. So how is those churches doing since uh, 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 it's founded and uh, is it growing? Is 400 churches in uh, yeah, yeah, well, the churches, yeah, I mean, so we're, so, so we, uh, so we're connected with the, um, the Baptist churches mm-hmm. in all the countries of the former Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And within that group, there, there's roughly 6,000 churches that we have access to. Oh, wow. Um, we're not serving all of those churches, but we have tremendous growth opportunity to serve more and more churches. Mm. So, um, so. Uh, the ministry continues to grow in every single one of those countries, and mm-hmm. but the situation in each country is very different, yeah. because a number of those churches, uh, a number of those churches, are in you know in the Central Asian countries like Tajikistan and uh, Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan, places like that that are heavily Muslim, uh, mm-hmm. but in Ukraine and Russia and Belarus and those places, you know, they have more of an Orthodox background, so. You know, again, the circumstances are different. You know, the you know the spiritual situation is kind of different. Mm. You know, but the goal is still the same, which is you know preaching the gospel, leading people to faith in Christ, and discipling them in strong Bible churches. And that's the goal that we're that's our goal, and we're trying to equip equip the Baptist churches to do just that throughout those nations. Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing significant growth of people coming to faith in Christ. Um, when the war in Ukraine broke out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there was about 30, let me see, 2,600 churches in Ukraine spread out through all of the country. They lost about probably three to 400 of those churches in the war. Um, but, you know, we immediately, we had been planning this, we immediately ramped up a huge humanitarian aid distribution um, program through their network churches. So, the the first day of the war, uh, there was a mass exodus of people from eastern Ukraine making their way across the country and exiting uh, into eastern Europe. And there was a bit of an underground railroad, if you will, that we were funding as people were trying to make their way across the country. So um, it, they were, they were, it was made known that there were a number of Baptist churches that were available to them that they could stop spend the night, maybe get money for fuel and food and so on and so forth so they can move on to the next location and eventually make their way out of the country. And so while there, I mean, people began to see and experience the love of Christ uh, through these Christians and through these churches as they ministered to them in their time of need and desperation because most of these people lost all hope because they lost everything. They didn't know what was going to happen to them. and they needed, mm. they needed to, They needed the love of Christ to minister to them during this difficult time. Mm. And so so that was part of it, but also, you know, a lot of people left behind, and they needed help. 
So we try to equip the churches in Ukraine to set themselves up as centers of hope. Uh, so people, people could come, they could recharge their phones, uh, they could receive food, they could receive spiritual re- refreshment. And, you know, during the wintertime, you know, uh, we, were, we were able to send uh, generators to the churches so that they could come and, and get warm and maybe, maybe sometimes spend the nights. And, and so some of, those, uh, um, uh, some of those resources were available for people to take home into their houses as well. So, uh, so really, um, there was so much, you know, acts of mercy taking place through those churches that many, many people responded and came to faith in Christ. And right now, through those, that church network in Ukraine, mm. uh, the majority of the people that come are either new believers or uh, new people uh, who are visiting the churches. So, um, so it's a bit of a revival taking place in Ukraine, and a lot of it had to do with the wonderful work that those churches were doing and ministered to these people who had basically lost everything. Wow. So the, even though there's a war still going on, the church is still there. Uh, how many yes. How many churches still there? I think that I think it went from about twenty six hundred down to about twenty two or twenty three hundred. Wow. And so, so the so the the churches, you know, their their main office is in a is in a city called Irpin, which is outside of Kiev. And so the people, I mean, they've stayed there, and and. We have a seminary in Irpin that the that the Russians uh, uh, dropped about a hundred missiles on, but we were able to, you know, fix it well enough so that um, people could. Um, we, we've resumed theological training in that facility. What's left of it? And we're at, at some point, we're going to rebuild after the war ends. But um, you know, that was a bit of a setback for us. But you know, that school is training over nine hundred individuals right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem with that is that every night uh, there are drones and missiles that are flying over Irpin. So, you know, there's, there's a tremendous amount of terror oh, that people, these people still go through uh, mm-hmm. because uh, they don't know if they're going to get up the next morning sometimes. Wow. So um, it's a very dangerous situation, but these church, many, you know, a number of pastors left. And a, lot of, a lot of pastors were forced out because, you know, because the Russians came in and took over their territories in eastern Ukraine. But, you know, most of them stayed and most of them are there to minister to people who have been left behind. So, mm. you know, I mean, God, it's, it's just an amazing situation. And these people are very courageous. And um, and at a certain point in time, we were the largest distributor of humanitarian aid uh, throughout Ukraine because of the network of churches that we had available to us, you know, to get resources out to virtually anywhere in the country. And because it went through the churches, people were assured that whatever it is, whatever financial support they gave to us would go directly to the churches so that they would get the resources out to the people, not only to meet their physical needs, but their spiritual needs as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we don't really comprehend when we live in U.S. We hear about it, but yeah, it's different than actually there people are experiencing, right? Yeah. 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 And yeah. so we need a much prayer, right, and support. Much prayer, much power, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, pray, pray for those churches because we don't hear this story in uh, any media's, so we don't get connected that that those yeah. churches are left alone. So yeah. I think it is very important for us to engage in with prayer and support, right? Yes. Yeah, and and yeah. then we we also have ministry in Israel, which I can talk to you about as well. 
Yeah, yeah. We can talk about the whole story about the Ukraine, uh, Jewish left on um, Ukraine and going to the Israel and all this story that we can talk about in the next program. So please share with us about uh, uh, where, how we can help. Uh, well, we, you, can do, do, uh, we, you can come to our website. Our mm-hmm. website is sga.org. That's sga.org. And we have a variety of different uh, things that you know we have to offer in terms of how people can and plug in. Uh, but mm-hmm. if you're interested in, in uh, helping the work through the churches in Ukraine, there's a section there that you can um, click through to, and it'll give you all the details of how that works. Yeah. Um, or you can call us up. We have a telephone number, 1-800-BIBLE-50. That's 1-800-BIBLE-50, which is easy to, to remember. And somebody will pick up the phone and help you under, understand more about the ministry as well as opportunities to financially support the work. Yeah, okay. We're going to continue our second program. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And we'll continue our program with Mr. Michael Johnson about this uh, story, Ukraine and Israel, uh, the current affair. Thank you so much for listening yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We'll be back next week. Thank you. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.